When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. Steve and Jimmy here, unfortunately, to talk about another Roma. Uh, disappointing result. I can't say another defeat because last week against Fiorentina, Jim, it wasn't a defeat. But this one against Bologna was a clear-cut defeat. Uh, three big drop points against a team that is now in the Champions League places themselves. Surprise package of Serie A. Uh, Roma thoroughly just outplayed by Bologna. We knew there'd be some issues coming into this one with uh, Dybala injured, Lukaku suspended, Zalewski suspended. Uh, I don't know. What, what is there to say about this one, Jim? Well, I mean, part of it definitely does come down to the suspensions. Roma doesn't want to be starting Andrea Bellotti and Stefano Sharawi up front ever. Um, I don't think. Like, that's not ideal for anybody involved. Uh, but still you got to think Roma can be better than this. And I, I hate to single out individuals because, you know, season's long. But at the same time, as much praise as I gave Rui Patricio last week, I feel like he deserves a lot of the stick this time around. And uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, I mean, there have been rumors that I think really shouldn't be given much credence that are saying that he will, you know, his, his job as captain or even being on the squad is under threat after the past couple months of poor form and injury issues. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I will have to say that his performance against Bologna left a lot to be desired. Uh, just in general, it was really disheartening game to watch. The good news is 
that at the very least we will be getting Lukaku back. Uh, it'll take longer for us to get Dybala back. I think it's an open question, something we got to discuss. Um, whether we want Renato Sanchez back at this point, because he's been just so disappointing this entire season. But uh, yeah, this definitely wasn't my favorite Roma game of the year. And I would also say losing this kind of match to somebody, to a team that you are, you know, ostensibly fighting for fourth place, it's not really acceptable. It's pretty, pretty disheartening. Yeah, and the the fact that Roma dropped, you know, we were on here two weeks ago after the uh, victory against Sassuolo talking about how Roma was sitting in fourth, like, you know, we, we would have said, sign me up for this at the beginning of the season, no question about it. And then we, lo and behold, dropping five points in the last two weeks, are now down to eighth, uh, not far off the top four, only three points behind Bologna, but you just lost to Bologna head-to-head. You allowed Fiorentina to keep all things square between you and now have passed you with their win this week. So now you're looking at what was a golden opportunity last weekend to make up some ground on Milan and get within, I think, three points of Milan. Now you're sitting uh, seven behind them. They're in third. Bologna's on 28 in fourth. So it's Milan, uh, uh, 32 points. Bologna, 28 points. Napoli, Fiorentina, 27 points. Atalanta with their big victory on Monday over Salernitana is now up to 26 and Roma's on 25. Um, and then not far behind Roma on their heels is Torino with 23, Monza and Lazio 21. So uh, aside from the stadium sharing neighbors there of Lazio, Roma's in, in, in not a great position. Um, you know, we, we knew this would be tough. The Bologna's defensive record coming into this one was, I think, third best in the league. And yeah. it uh, it remains that after posting a clean sheet against Roma in their two nothing victory, behind only Juve and Inter, and those teams are one and two in the table. Inter, Juve, seven goals conceded, ten goals conceded. It jives with with their position in the table. I mean, Inter I think is a cut above thirty nine scored and seven conceded. I think them not winning the Scudetto would be a complete and utter failure for them at this point this season. Um, and Juve looks comfortably second at this point. So you look at three through eight, and if you want to include down to Lazio, three through 11, I mean, you got a bunch of teams within like 10 points or so of each other. I mean, Lazio is only seven points off Bologna. So from four to 11, you have a seven-point gap. So yeah, it's a lot of teams for not a lot of places and not separated by many points. Yeah, I mean, this is both the frustrating thing about Roma so far this season and the vindicating thing about Roma so far this season. It's not like... As much as this loss stinks, it's not going to totally kill Roma's ability to get Champions League football. At the end of the day, Roma's only two points shy of Napoli right now. And Napoli just had a more embarrassing loss than Roma did, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Like that, that 4 0 next week. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that was pretty embarrassing to Frozenone. So if we're if we're just looking at things as objectively as possible, losing these three points really stinks. But compared to a season where, you know, like let's talk about Roma in the 2010s where it was basically Roma versus Juve every single season where a loss basically meant that Juve would run away with the title. It does still, like they're still only three points out of fourth place. Yeah. And I don't want to like say the sky is falling because Roma is only three points out of fourth place. And I hate to also sound like a perpetually optimistic guy, but do we, did we really think Roma was only going to be three points out of fourth place going into, like, you know, Christmas Day? 
after a lot of the matches that Roma played at the beginning of the season, I definitely did not. So Roma is being benefited directly by the fact that the league itself has a lot more parity than it has in a long time. And, it, you know, there's, there's Inter, as you said, kind of far and away looking like the best side in the league. But beyond that, I mean, there's only really seven points between Milan and Roma. Like, mm-hmm. third place isn't really out of reach just yet. And it's weird to be saying that for a side that's eighth place around Christmas time uh, in Serie A. Like, usually some sides pull away. And nobody's really pulled away outside of Inter and Juve so far this season, which does give me hope in terms of, you know, Roma's long-term ability to get that Champions League spot for the league. Yeah, and it, it's important to note, too, that with the new Champions League rules next year, the top two coefficient leagues for this season's Champions League uh, and European competitions overall get a, a fifth place, which right now Italy and Germany are the top two. They're ahead of the Premier League, and the Premier League lost two teams completely from European competition when Newcastle and who's the other side that finished last in the group, but, but, Oh, United, uh, Manchester United, they both finished last in their Champions League group. So they don't, they can't even pick up points for the premier league in, in the Europa league. So now premier league sides will still be favored to win all three competitions. Like, like they did last year, uh, winning two of them, but you know, Italy's got a chance to get a fifth place, which, you know, Roma can't bank on that, but it certainly creates another opportunity and with the way the table is, you're right. All hope is not lost. Um, you know, if, if Roma had won against Fiorentina last week, we would have been going into this match saying we're within three of third place. Um, unfortunately, they dropped five points. And we had talked a couple weeks ago heading into this stretch of five matches where it was Fiorentina, uh, this match against Bologna, then it's Napoli, then it's Juve, then it's Atalanta, then it's Milan. So the six matches in those 18 points, we were kind of like, they got to kind of get nine, 10 points probably to, to be in a decent position for fourth by the end of that stretch. I think that makes this coming week's match against Napoli almost a must win at home. Uh, you mentioned Napoli in the Coppa Italia, embarrassing, embarrassing defeat against Frosinone. Frosinone hung around 0-0 for a long time. And then lo and behold, at the end of the match, they end up piling up four goals late. Um, embarrassing for Napoli for sure at the San Paolo. So that just goes back to, it reminds me of Roma a couple of years ago against Spezia in the Copa, and, and you just can't take these matches for granted um, in the Copa Italia like some of these bigger teams have done lately. But it shows Na- Napoli's frailties too. The problem with Roma has been they just haven't been getting results against the big sides. I mean, you you think about this season, and they were talking about during Roma's match against Bologna, the, the announcers were talking about it. You go back, the first big match of the season was Milan lost. Yeah. Um, lost to Inter. Uh, draw against Lazio 0-0, and now it's a and Bologna's not a big side, but this year they're performing like a big side in terms of competing for European places, and that was a, another loss. So it's like Fiorentina draw. Who you know Roma's got to do something in these next few matches against other sides that are competing for Europe, uh, especially to me Napoli, Milan, Atalanta. You know if you lose to Juve, they're they're probably out of reach anyway, but. It's it's one of those things like a couple weeks ago, you could have said like, okay, if they draw Napoli, not the end of the world, but considering they've dropped five points to Fiorentina and Bologna, Napoli to me starting to feel like a must win on Saturday. And yeah, they're going to have to do I, without Dybala. And, and without Dybala, they have been uh, very toothless in attack, um, mm-hmm. like, like we've been talking about for a year and a half now. Yeah, they definitely have been toothless without Dybala. I do think that they 
reinsertion of Lukaku into the lineup will make things a little bit easier against Napoli for sure. Uh, going back to what you were saying before about who they're winning against and who they're losing against, there is an element where I agree with you that, you know, losing to Juventus or losing to Atlanta or Milan does put Roma in a, you know, that people talk about those like six point matches. Uh, but at the same time, for as long as I've written about Roma, and honestly, just as long as I've been watching Roma, which is far longer than I've written about Roma, the club has consistently had issues against playing, you know, against smaller sides. I don't count Bologna as a smaller side for this season. Any, any squad that's able to be in fourth place after 16 matches is not a small side for the purposes of the season. Um, but I would say that by comparison, at least, Roma's done a decent job of not losing to the small sides this season, which is something we should appreciate. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for the idea that Roma has underimpressed given the players that it's been able to sign, given, you know, the name brand value of Mourinho. Uh, I think there's some merit to that conversation saying that Roma's not been up to snuff. But at the same time, I will say that it is a sigh of relief, comparatively speaking, to be in a situation with the club where even if they're down a goal against a smaller side, I don't think that it's over. Uh, and that is how I felt as a Roma fan for a very long time, that if you were down 1-0 to a Lecce or a Monza or a Cagliari, and I'd just be like, okay, I guess this one's a loss, and I'd have to sit through it and stomach it and just be okay with that. Now, I'm not thrilled with the fact that Roma lost this one, especially with an own goal from Christensen kind of being a deciding factor there. But at the same time, if I have to look at the way that Roma's lost matches this season, I'm generally more happy with it than I would be other than I have been in past seasons. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I think for the most part, when you exclude those first couple matches before Lukaku arrived and Roma really started to find their identity um, against the smaller sides, I, I do agree. Genoa was the one exception to that where they they just let it get away from themselves in that midweek match, which those can be tricky sometimes. Um, but they have been, you know, Sassuolo, Udinese, like these matches that were were tough going certainly feel like they would have been more drop points in the past. And and that's all well and good, but they're going to have to pile up those points in those matches because with the struggles they've had against direct competition, um, you know, you can't expect Roma to pile up too many points against direct competition. It's almost like you have to get through those stretches, like almost even Steven in a way like, okay, you know, if we go two matches against each of those sides, at least split the split the points, you know, two ma- two points apiece or three and three each at, at the very minimum, um, which they haven't been able to do under Mourinho. And, and the thing with Mourinho, he's been so good managing this side in knockout style European football against quality sides. We've seen it. Um, but because it's not like a home and home environment where you can go to overtime and, and get a, a result an extra time, like they've struggled in these 90 minute affairs against these better sides outside of like, I think of Inter last season, they played really well and beat Inter at the San Siro. But those are few and far between. And they're going to have to, in my opinion, these next four, at least get two wins, I think. Um, yeah. I, I think you have to because you dropped those five points. I think if they had gotten six from Fiorentina and Bologna, which on paper should have been two of the easier matches in this stretch, then you could probably say, okay, if we, we win one and draw one of those last four, it's, it's not a bad stretch. Even if you got th- three wins, two losses, and a draw of the six or something. Now it's like if you don't win at least two, it's it's kind of a 
you know, shambolic six-match stretch. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. We talked about this stretch of matches going forward as pretty vital to Roma's chances for Champions League football via the league. So far, the team's gotten, you know, in December, four points out of a possible nine in the league, and they they won against Sheriff, but even the win against Sheriff wasn't enough to get them to the past the like kind of knockout round before the actual knockout round in the Europa League. So it's been a frustrating month for Roma fans so far, for sure. I do think that there is a sense that heading into the Napoli match, both Napoli and Roma are fragile for different reasons. Yeah. I think that a month or two ago, I would have felt like I would be far less confident about Roma's ability to actually pull a win out on this, but it's not like Napoli have been world beaters. And as much as they have a world-class striker, Roma has one as well. So I really think this will come down to who can be in the midfield and create going forward. And that presents a great opportunity for Lorenzo Pellegrini, who, as I said, you know, he's been getting some stick among Roma fans recently. And if he was able to pull off a good match and kind of rediscover his playmaking form, but he's often seeded since Paolo Dybala came into the side, I think that'd be a fantastic situation for them. It'd be a great Christmas present for all us Romanisti, let's put it that way. Yeah, it certainly would. And, and you mentioned Napoli. They're, they're in a fragile position. They already fired Rudy Garcia. Under Mazzotti, they have not been world beaters uh, by any stretch of the imagination so far. I mean, if, if you look back, their results against the other big sides have not been great either this season. I'm looking, you know, through the the matches they played against other, you know, sides that are competing. And going back to the beginning of the season, back to, let's see, September, 2-1 loss, home against Lazio. Um, and this is a, a struggling Lazio side. They've been struggling all season, similar to Roma. 0-0 draw at Bologna. Um, you go ahead a couple weeks, and then in October, 3-1 loss to Fiorentina at home. Uh, Drew Napoli, 2-2 at home. Um, away to Atalanta, 2-1 win. Home for Inter, smack 3-0 at Juve the following week. This is just a couple weeks ago, one nothing loss at Juve. So you can see they've had similar results to Roma this season against the big sides. A lot of losses there, a lot of losses at home. This one on, on the weekend is at the Olympico on Saturday um, where Roma tends to be stronger. So yeah. that gives me some hope. Uh, the fact Napoli is, is not the same Napoli does give me hope in this one. Definitely more hope than I would have had a couple weeks ago uh, or a couple months ago, or certainly last season for sure. You know, Dybala is going to be a big miss. That, that, that goes without saying. But Roma's home form, five wins, two draws, and one loss, is very strong. Um, Napoli on the road has been very good, which is surprising. They have five wins, two draws, and a loss, ironically enough. Um, 16 scored, 16, uh, six conceded. I don't know if they play a little more compact on the road. Maybe they play a little less free as they do when they're at the San Paulo and they have, have a little more confidence that they can get things done. But um, this could be one of those matches where Roma's going to have to grit it out and just find a way to hit on the counterattack or, or something with Lukaku. I don't know if Roma has enough in them with the current form of most of their players to turn this into like a 3-2 win or or something like that. I think it's have to be try to keep it 1-0, 2-1 at most. It's going to be hard for Roma to get too many goals, I think. And I think that's going to be the issue anytime Dybala is playing. I mean, even when Dybala doesn't play, Roma doesn't score a ton outside that Empoli match. 
So they're going to have to be very compact defensively. Can't have mistakes like they had against Bologna where they got shredded on those two goals, um, leaving open spaces and whatnot. So they're going to have to mark their men and, and just find a way to get one, maybe off a set piece. Hopefully, you know, Pellegrini is usually very good at delivering set pieces. Maybe they, he fought, refines his form to, to put a ball on either Lukaku or one of the center backs head, something like that, because Roma really needs to find a way to gut out this victory at home, especially at home, I think. Yeah, I think that the home part is key. And the good thing that we'll say about Roma under the Mourinho reign at home is that, compare, again, comparing it to prior to Mourinho, the way that the Tifosi have reacted to poor form has been a lot more understanding than before. Uh, I don't really know what to pin it on beyond them really loving Mourinho as a person and a manager. But... Mourinho himself has said, you know, if they're down 2-1 or 1-0 at home, the fans don't start jeering anymore, which is a big step forward. Yeah, And I do think that that home court advantage that you would have thought Roma would always have, given how passionate its fans are and have been throughout the club's entire history, they're really getting it now, as opposed to before where, you know, the Tifosi were quite temperamental about how they actually acted in the stadium. You know, people grumble on social media all the time. I grumble on social media all the time about the club when it's not, when they're not winning every match. But at the same time, when it comes to who's actually in the stadium, we've now developed a fan base that is going to ride or die with this team, which I think will be a big positive factor for Roma going into this match. Uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, the win probability is, you know, pretty much an even third, third, third split heading into this one against Napoli, which makes sense. If you look at the poor form that Napoli's had over the past five matches, they've lost three out of five, which makes Roma's one loss, two draws and two wins look a whole lot better. Um, I will say that in terms of ability to win a match I do believe in Roma's ability to win this one I think that you know they're despite the struggles the club has had this season what I said in the past couple of weeks when the form was good still stands true which is that especially with Dybala available but even with Romelu Lukaku if you've got Romelu Lukaku in your side you should be fighting for Champions League football if you've got the players that Roma generally has throughout the side you should be fighting for Champions League football so I believe in Roma's ability to get this one, get this one in a win. Um, will that actually happen? I'm not so sure. But at the same time, even a draw would be helpful in terms of making sure that Roma doesn't get totally left behind by everybody else fighting for those Champions League spots. Because one point for Napoli and Roma keeps them level in terms of their distance, and that's only two points separating them. Yeah, it would it would be good in that sense. It would certainly be better to, to pass them before Christmas. Oh, of course. Uh, yes. Looking at the rest of the of course, yeah, goes without saying, right? Looking at the rest of the matchups this this week, and the only other direct head to head where somebody's going to drop points is Bologna Atalanta, uh, which could be beneficial to Roma if Roma can get a result. Um, other than that, you know, if Roma does drop all three points, things could get dicey if you know Fiorentina beats Monza, Milan beats Salernitana. Um, Juve's out of reach, but you know there, there's other matches that are going to be 
Um, who's Lazio got? I'm trying to look for Lazio here. Empoli, you know, so th- these are clubs that are probably going to get results for the most part. But, but then again, the, the league is crazy. Who knows? Um, crazier things happen. But again, opportunity to, to do something. We'll see if they get it done. I mean, it was interesting to see some of Mourinho's post-match, post-match quotes, you know, in regards to this match. He talked about struggling physically. Um, you know, he, he was asked about, you know, the defeat. And he said, regarding your question to the, to the journalist, when we're missing Dybala, we offer no class. And when we're missing Lukaku, uh, we offer no physicality. We knew that yeah. having both of them out would be challenging for us. I saw that my players who went out wanted to do their best and dig deep. But if maybe we didn't have any tactical issues, I mean, we could see the first goal. We were in total control of the game. We definitely found it tough going physically. Uh, their players were full of zest and intensity while we were lacking players with the same energy levels. I think, I think that sums it up pretty well. You know, you, you, you lose your, both your attacking class and your physicality up front. Your team had just played a Thursday match against a team that's really fresh, playing well, probably very springs to their step because they know they've been playing so well and they didn't have to play midweek. I mean, we talk about the, the advantage Juve has this year in, in terms of the top four race and and not having to play any European football. And that's with a you know high quality roster. Even a team with a pretty good roster like Bologna's, when you don't have to play midweek and you are playing as well or better than some of these bigger clubs that are playing midweek, uh, especially Thursday matches, definitely gives an advantage in, in, in some ways. Um, and that's not an excuse. That's just a fact, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's a fact that has been true for Roma for several years. I mean, think about it. Lazio has often criticized Roma for caring about European competitions as if, you know, that's some stupid thing to do when the league is up for grabs. I personally think that Roma should win whatever it can win and also just bluntly will acknowledge that Roma's not going to be in the Scudetto business in the short term. So I want Roma to win every match it can win. And anybody who says Otherwise, is being kind of ridiculous. I am hopeful that midweek matches can leave opponents weaker going forward. Uh, I do think that that will be a factor for Napoli. Uh, I think that looking ahead to the Coppa Italia for Roma, if Roma's able to actually beat Cremonese this time around, that could do some wonders a couple days later when they have to play Juventus. But simultaneously, if they lose embarrassingly to Juve four days prior, that could spell some trouble. You know, all these matches are all attached to each other. And yeah. what Mourinho was saying is 100% true, that physicality is lost when we don't have Lukaku and creativity and class is lost when we don't have Dybala. Uh, but at the same time, I do believe in Pellegrini. I do believe in Cristante. It's not like the only creative player we have on the books is Paolo Dybala. It's just that he's so above and beyond in terms of class, that it's hard to lose him. Given all of that, looking ahead to the next four matches, where it's Roma-Napoli, Juve-Roma, Roma-Cremonese, then Roma-Atalanta, as you said, it's a, it's a real murderer's row um, in terms of who they're facing. Atalanta isn't exactly you know lighting things up this season. They're only one point ahead of Roma, but I will always be afraid of them at this point as long as they're man- being managed by Gasparini. Uh, looking at the three Serie A matches, I think I'd be satisfied with somewhere between four and six points. Uh, that seems reasonable to me out of those three matches. So by January 7th, Roma will have somewhere between four and six points. I'm not expecting 
I'm hoping for more better than three draws would be clear. At least like one draw and a win would be not, would be nice. But uh, this is definitely one of the tougher areas of Roma's calendar for them to face. And combining that with Dybala being out, combining that with not really being able to trust Renato Sanchez, combining that with so many other players just not impressing at the moment to the point where, you know, rumors are going around saying starting in early 2024, we're almost just going to kind of bank on the Primavera players because at least they're cheap. <laughs> is, yeah. is, you know, I mean, that, that tells you something about kind of the confluence of events that's happening here in the sense that players who are supposed to be able to deliver the goods just aren't delivering the goods and all the tough matches are about to happen, which yeah. stinks. Um, at the same time, We've said this before about strikers. It's true of every football player to some extent. It's all form-based, and form can change on a dime. And so I do th- I do have some hope for this next month of play that Roma's going to be able to pull something out of their hat and not only stay in the fight for top four, but, you know, it's tight enough that I feel like way too much of a downer to be like, what's that? Roma's only three points. Roma's three points away from fourth place. Oh, pack it up. We're it's all over. Like that, that's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I, for sure. I, and, and I, I think not to harp on the schedule more, but I think when this schedule came out, I don't know if anybody had a vendetta against Roma. It sure feels like it, right. For anybody to have to play this, like it, yeah. for, for, for them to have to play this kind of schedule. And, and nobody knew Bologna was be this good, but Bologna aside, the fact that it's, you know, Fiorentina who was in the European final last year, followed by, Bologna ended up being better than probably people expected, but then you go uh, Napoli, Juve, Atalanta, and then Milan again. It's like, it's crazy, but it also goes back to early in the season when Roma did not pile up those points against Salernitana and Hellas and those teams. This is yeah, where this it comes is, back to bite you if you don't get get to business. Yeah, um, this is the pricey pack. Uh, and quite frankly, we discussed this during that run of poor form. We, we repeatedly said, if you lose the matches to, you know, Genoa or mm-hmm. one at the beginning of the season, it be, you, you lose your margin for error. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing that Roma has lost its margin for error. And the one thing saving Roma is the fact that the standings are so tight. That is what's saving Roma more than anything else. Like if, if other p- teams were playing up to their expected standards, Bologna notwithstanding, Roma would probably be somewhere between five and 10 points out of, fourth place that's not ju- that's just not happening this year and we can be grateful for that we shouldn't take it for granted and we definitely shouldn't be able to say ah oh, well Roma's doing well Roma's not doing well no Roma's right, doing right, around right. as well as everybody else which doesn't mean they're doing well you yeah. know what I mean <laughs> it's who, who's the least mediocre mediocre right now right it's just like exactly. mediocrity everywhere um from three on down and, exactly. and that's what's keeping Roma in it um, yeah, Mourinho was asked just to just to wrap on this one, like about the the upcoming stretch. Um, you know, you've got a crucial month in which you can see what your team are truly capable of, and he said it's obviously crucial. However, I know that this team, I know what this team are capable of. Everyone does. It's a team which, when everyone is available, is capable of really competing. As we have every season, the last campaign we didn't finish fourth because we were playing the European final. We went into that game running on empty. If we've got everyone available, we can win things. But if we're missing crucial players, that's a struggle. And and that's pretty much what we've talked about on this show, right? When Dybala and certain other players are out injured, team loses a lot, and and it reflects in the in the results. Um, 
you know, and, and going back to last season, we talked about that plenty uh, on the show and, and on the site that when you have to play on two fronts and you have injuries to deal with and not the deepest roster, it, it catches up with you. And that's what we're seeing here. And I think what Mourinho is doing there in that answer is kind of just painting the picture like, look, the crucial stretch for us. But if if we get through it roughed up a bit, here's why, right? We we don't have the manpower right now when everybody's not available. You know, we don't have a vice Dybala who can do anything near what Dybala can do. Um, you know, we have some nice bench players. I think El Shirari is a great bench player to have and a spot starter and, you know, some of these other guys in the team. But nobody's going to be able to do what Dybala does. Um, the Belotti situation, let me ask you about that, Jim, because I just thought of it. Like, Belotti started the season so well. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and how do you feel about the way Mourinho managed him? Because when Lukaku came, it was like, Deba- uh, Belotti completely dis- disappeared off the face of, a, of, of, of Rome, right? Off the study Olimpico. I feel like he could have played him a little bit more, not necessarily even starting, but a little more off the bench just to kind of keep his confidence in his form up. Because now I think, you know, we're, we're ruining the fact that he's not really performing anymore. And, you know, it's hard to perform as a striker when you're not really getting many chances. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you there. We've talked before about how strikers are so form-based. We've talked about how strikers need to get just run of time. That's always been my critique of Roma, period, when it comes to backup strikers throughout our time writing for CDT. Uh, And it's also true for just, you know, the youngsters that Roma has brought through. Uh, Strikers especially need a good run of minutes to be able to feel comfortable at the level of play that Serie A represents. And that's why Patrick Schick had issues. That's why Wani Turbe had issues. They made one mistake and then they were pulled from the lineups on a permanent basis. And I will say that, you know, those situations are very different from the Belotti versus Lukaku situation where clearly you, you sign a player like Lukaku, you want to play him as much as you possibly can. But at the same time, it is frustrating to feel like the repeated trend with Roma, regardless of whether it's Mourinho or not, is the manager looks at the club's best player and says, I've got to run this person into the ground. Because that really does feel like what, what happens. We've talked about this before, that you know players who have been really impressive in, in points for Roma, whether that's Lorenzo Pellegrini, Paolo Dybala, Romelu Lukaku, Rick Karstorff, those are all guys who have had rich veins of form for the club and they get played 90 minutes every match for four months straight. And suddenly surprise, surprise, they don't have that ability to play at that high level anymore because the human body is not able to regenerate at the pace that modern football requires. If you're playing multiple matches a week at 90 minutes each. And I do wish that Roma was better at understanding that. And I wish Mourinho was better at understanding that. And on the flip side, I wish that Roma was better and making sure that those backups actually got playtime. Now, of course, the, the typical response to something like that is to say, well, Roma won't win, win the match if the backup is started, or if, you know, like Lukaku comes out in the 45th minute or something like that. My response to that is that, quite simply, we complain so much about lack of depth. Do you know how you create depth? by making sure that the players that you've brought in to be depth signings are actually in good form so that when they can, when they have to play, they can play well. Like you can't just have like, think about it this way. Like think about like the Manchester city who's always brought up as, you know, practically having two full teams of senior players. 
the reason why they're able to succeed is in part because they don't just leave half their team rotting on the bench the entire season. They sub play, they swap players out for matches. They make sure that people get minutes. And I think Roma would probably be in a better spot if Belotti was getting more minutes. I do think that Roma would be in a better spot if, you know, can't change about Renato Sanchez, but like if we had brought in players like Pasili or uh, Pagano quicker uh, with Sanchez having so many issues. Think about it this way. Eduardo Bove has been good enough over the past season and a half that he's gotten himself a renewal until 2028. I think a big reason for that is because he's just gotten playtime. Yeah. And that wouldn't have that wouldn't have happened without injuries, most likely, which kind of just tells you where Roma is. That like if you give a promising player, like a good player, playtime, like a lot of the time they will show themselves to be good. The problem is if you don't, and then you throw them into the fire when someone gets an injury, and you're surprised that they don't have good form after not playing for a month or only getting substitutions, like what were you expecting? Yeah. Like, what were you expecting for Andrea Bolotti if it's always Lukaku and Dybala up front? It's just impossible to expect them to be world-class from the word go if they never play. So, yeah, I, I find it really frustrating. I, the answer there, quite frankly, is probably something to do with off-the-pitch stuff that we don't see as well. So I think that a, a, to kind of temper my take there, I would have to imagine that there's a reason why players who aren't starting aren't starting based off of training performances. And that's fair. That's legitimate to be able to say like, hey, if you're not performing in training, I'm not going to give you the, the start here and there. And then you're suddenly forced into a corner when a player gets injured or is suspended. Like, I get that. At the same time, for all the talk that Mourinho has had about Roma not being a club with great finances, the flip side of that is that you, you've got what you've got. And like he's having to play Spinazzola right now because Zalewski got suspended and Spinazzola was terrible. Yeah. And very poor. Like maybe that would happen less if you hadn't run Spinazzola into the ground prior to the Euros. And then unfortunately, Italy did the same exact thing where they ran him into the ground and he got injured. Like it does feel like a vicious cycle here where, you know, a player gets good form they get run into the ground, they get injured, and then they're never never able to reach those heights again. Yeah. Whereas if you had a more measured and considered point of view to all of this and said, okay, you're in great form and we want you to stay in great form, we're going to make it so it's not just that, you know, every now and then, like, Svilar comes in as the backup goalie for the Europa League or whatever. Like, what you're actually doing is rotating players in for... Serie A matches that matter. I think that that would go a long way towards making Roma's depth, which I think has gotten significantly better over the years, actually feel like it's gotten significantly better over the years, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to have to build that depth, and I think some of it's going to have to be through the, the the youth sector. And there's been some talk of that this week. Mourinho himself talked about maybe relying more on young players. And and I, I do hope they bleed more young players in more consistently. Uh Pasili Pagano this season, hopefully uh, moving forward. So maybe you can have another Bove on this in the side, right? A useful player who can start and come off the bench. He's he's a not just a depth player, but a, a squad player, a full squad player who can contribute. And and some of these young kids hopefully are in that trajectory. 
Um, I know some of the some of the rumors and takes, I'm sure, are knee-jerk reactions to what's been going on the last couple of weeks. You know, we've seen talk of Roma could cut ties with Smalling, Sanchez, and um, Spinazzola all in January, right? I, yeah. I don't know how true any of that is. I, I find it hard to believe they would just cut bait with those kind of players. Like, Spinazzola's out of contract at the end of the season. I, I don't think it's worth selling him for, like, a million euros at this point in, in January. I mean, you're going to save a little salary, yeah, sure, but who's yeah. your other left back if that happens, right? Then you have to go out and find a left back. Same thing with Smalling. Um, you know, who's going to take Smalling at this point to pay for him, right? They're not going to be able to just release him. Um, so I don't see how that happens. Even cutting Sanchez's loan short, I don't know how beneficial that is. I, I know he hasn't done much, but, like, he's still a body, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if any of that actually comes to fruition. If any of them come to fruition, it's probably Sanchez, I think. Just because that's a loan you could cut, yeah. you could cut ties, and not have that to really seems like it's going to happen. Which is yeah. a shame in the sense that I will still maintain that in terms of actual talent as a footballer, he's probably number three in our squad right now. But he's just so fragile. unavailable. He's I mean, he so lasted unavailable. fifteen minutes in this match, and Mourinho had to pull him because he felt the intensity wasn't there. And he he said it was like no fault of his. It was more just like he's been yeah. through so many injuries that he can't push his body in certain spots. I'd rather have Pagano available for ninety minutes yeah. than Sanchez available for fifteen. And I think Mourinho agrees with me, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if if Sanchez is gone after January. Other and than I that, Roma I don't think they're has... going to make too many different moves of exits yeah, just because we don't have, have the depth the... necessary. Exactly. I think they have the midfield depth to be able to let go of Sanchez and, and work in the Paganos and the Basilis more um, rather than, than cut a center back or a, a left back. Um, and then just a couple more things before we wrap, Jim. I know there's going to be a piece coming out on the website. Maybe by the time people listen, this will be up there already. Maybe maybe not. Maybe it'll be coming out uh, shortly thereafter. But a roundtable with me, you and Brent, just talking about the Pellegrini situation. Like I know there's been some talk about Pellegrini now and, and you know how he's performed. And to me, he doesn't go anywhere. First of all, unless he asks for a move away, like his values at the lowest has been in probably three, four seasons. He's the captain. Like it seems like he, he gets along well enough with Mourinho. I know the tactics don't fit him the best. I also think part of the reason why he hasn't performed well the past year and a half is in part because of Dybala's arrival and in part because of injuries at which he's had a lot mm-hmm. more. I think, Dybala's arrival took away a lot of his freedom of, of movement around the pitch where he's got to be a little more um, positionally aware than he had to when he was the Trecortista and had a little, little freedom to roam. And I think Dybala gets that freedom, rightly so, because he is the most talented attacking player, most creative player on the side, um, but also because he just can't stay healthy. And I think it's – I wouldn't be surprised, even with all the matches he missed, that he pushes himself a little bit harder to get back sooner than maybe he should or works through things that he shouldn't being the captain. And I, I think it's, it's all affecting him. I, I wouldn't say it's just because of Mourinho's tactics. Um, I know that's one of the questions Brent posed because you think about Mourinho's first season, Pellegrini had a great season, his first season working with Tammy Abraham, but he did not have uh, Dybala as the, the three Cortista there, who was taking away some of the ball that he sees and some of the freedom he gets. And I think it's a combination of things with him, but I don't think he goes anywhere. I agree not to spoil my point of view on this roundtable we're doing. But yeah, I'm going to be honest. Excuse my French, but the idea that Lorenzo Pellegrini is going anywhere is bullshit. Um, Like, I think that he's going through poor form, but you are lying to yourself, first of all, if you don't think that Daniele De Rossi and Francesco Totti didn't go through poor form themselves. Like, that happens. Players have injuries. Players don't play at their best. 
it happens. And I'm not saying that he's at the level of either De Rossi or Totti, but I am saying that if we're talking about Roma captains, it's not like either of those players were putting in 10 out of 10s every single match. And beyond that, I would also just say that there are open questions about the future of practically everybody associated with the squad right now, whether that's Paolo Dybala, Romelu Lukaku, Mourinho, Thiago Pinto, practically everybody. There's a sense that, you know, if this squad doesn't get Champions League football for next season, it's unclear if anybody's going to be sticking around, maybe outside of Eduardo Bove and Nikola Zaleski. Like, that's about it in terms of people who feel assured of having a spot in Roma long term. And I would say that outside of those youth prospects, Pellegrini is one of those guys you want to keep around on the same level as Mancini and Cristante, in my opinion. In my opinion, more than as much as Dybala and Lukaku having extreme value and quality. The core three players who I would want to keep around through hell or high water are Cristante, Pellegrini, and Mancini because A, they're Italian. B, they've just become the senators of this Roman side in a positive way. And C, they are the people with the most institutional knowledge of winning as a club in Europe at the very least that we've had since pretty much anybody. Like, think about it. Like, those three have gone to more European finals and won more than anybody in recent history at Roma. And we talk about what will be able to take Roma to the next level as a club. Part of it is just keeping players who know how to win around. And we can quibble about the Europa Conference League, and we can quibble about whether Roma should have won the Europa League last year or not. In my opinion, they should have. But these are players who are slowly but surely developing experience in finals. These are players who are slowly but surely developing experience as, you know, a team that feels confident in its ability to get to a final in a European competition. That's rare. That's something to be kind of nurtured at a club like Roma because you're not Real Madrid. You can't just say, oh, 150 million euros to Mbappe or whoever, and we'll just solve the problem. And in my humble opinion, Pellegrini is a big part of that. I think he's a big part. He's a, he's a leader in this side. People have consistently said that ever since he became captain. I also think it's important for us to acknowledge that compared to the Totti or De Rossi eras, the captain doesn't have to be the most talented player in the side either. Like that's not. That's yeah. How there's it's plenty often. of squads where they're not the most talented player. Exactly. I would say I would go as far as saying that most champions league level squads with a couple exceptions, it's not like they just decide, Oh, who's the best player. You're the captain. It's usually not that. It's the guy who's either the academy graduate or who's been around for a long time, who's developed a reputation with the fans as a hard worker more than anything else. And you can criticize Lorenzo Pellegrini all you want, but nobody would ever say that he's not a hard worker. That guy puts in the effort. And yeah, the long and the short of it is I don't think he's going anywhere. If he did end up going somewhere, I would be very worried about the long-term direction of the club. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I don't have much to add to that. I, I don't think he goes anywhere. Um, just to wrap, Jim, one other thing we I guess we need to to bring up that's happened since we recorded is the Europa League draw. 
And yeah. I, I, I had a I, my gut told me this was going to happen. I think sometimes these draws are set up a little bit for for high drama. And yeah. uh, Roma drawing Feyenoord for the third season in a row after beating him in the Conference League final two years ago. I believe it was the quarterfinals last year of the Europa League, and now it is the round of 32, uh, I believe, when you play this play-in round of the Europa League. Again, it's Feyenoord, um, who was eliminated from a group that included Roma's rivals Lazio and Atletico Madrid. They finished third in that group ahead of only Celtic. Uh, how do you feel about the draw? I, I, I think, does it feel as set up to you as it does to me? You know, I'm not going to go too down the rabbit hole about things being set up in sport because if I do it about cup selections and I get way too down the rabbit hole of like our matches being fixed etc etc I don't want to go down that rabbit hole um given that it feels very appropriate that Roma has to face fine Nord again I could say that much um I can say that it's clear that Roma hasn't exercised all of its demons when it comes to success in Europe. And I think that a convincing win against Fine North, who are second in the Eredivisie, by the way. Yes. Uh, granted, they're, they're 10 points behind PSV, but uh, they're, they're not bad this season, let's put it that way, at the very least, because PSV is just straight up going for a perfect season yeah <laughs> to they're, start they're, they're cooking they're, they're, they're yeah just like it's no that. shame to be 12 wins two draws and two losses <laughs> after 16 matches uh they're they're a good side um and i think it'll be an entertaining tie but i think it would be great for the side if they were able to convincingly beat fine nord simply because it's a monkey on the club's back and you want to get that off when you can. In the same way that winning the Europa League would be a huge boon for the club. I think that beating Feyenoord would be a great way to benefit the club in the long term as well. Yeah, it's been a little nasty in, in terms of the words and things that have been exchanged over the last two seasons. You know, Feyenoord felt like they probably shouldn't have lost to Roma and yada, yada, yada in the Conference League final. And then we're talking quite a bit of smack ahead of the Europa League uh, matchup last year and, and Roma's care business again. So you know, you know they're going to be motivated for this pretty much as much as any match this season. Um, it's going to be up to Roma to, to match that intensity. I think it's going to be uh, important. They don't play until the 15th and 22nd of February, so plenty of time to hopefully get people healthy and keep them healthy, uh, and they'll be in a stretch of schedule where it's not as daunting as as if they were to, say, have to play them in January or right now. Um, I, I think it'll be fun. And I, as long as Dybala's fit and Lukaku's fit and they have all these guys available, I, I like Roma's chances. It's not going to be easy at all. Um, yeah. It'll be another, you know, time when we see a clash in styles. I think where he's going to try to keep things tight, like he always does in Europe. But when you see, you know, fine orange results in Europe this year, they weren't great. They were two wins and four losses in the Champions League. Um, their only wins were a win against Feyenoord at home in match match day one, where Celtic had two uh, red cards, and then they beat Lazio at home three uh, one in Rome. They lost to Lazio one nothing. Did nothing against a Lazio side that has not been very good this year. So uh, Roma, I think, can can learn something from some of those matches, maybe especially from the Lazio match, just because that's the team they know the best of all these teams that they played. And, and I think in terms of struggles, Lazio struggling in similar ways this year. And I think Roma can take something from it, um, as strange as that may sound. And, and, you know, we'll see in February where things stand, but it'll be a fun, fun draw. I think it could have been a little worse for Roma. It could have been a little bit better in terms of who's playing who. 
um, you know, in terms of the way the draw went, because there were a couple of teams that I was a little more worried about than Fire Nord, a couple of teams I was less worried about. But it should be fun, and uh, it'll make for a good good story. You know, that, that it'll become the trilogy, and hopefully Roma, you know, controls all, all three parts of that trilogy, and, and you know, we're moving on and, and can make another deep European run, I guess, when, when that fixture is done. Yeah, uh, that's that's certainly the hope, though. If anything, at this point with this Roma season, I feel like we can safely say that expecting the unexpected is probably the order of the year. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel like a broken record. Every time I think something good is going to happen to the club, they lose. And every time we end this one on a down note, they win. So maybe, and then again, if we're neutral, maybe they'll just draw because the opposite of neutral is still neutral. So, so I don't know. Should I should I say that I'm expecting a loss against Napoli and then be pleasantly surprised, or what, how how do we how should we feel about this one, Steve? Um, <laughs> I guess the way they're playing, we should expect a loss. Um, I'm I'm expecting better and I'm hoping for better. I'm hoping for a minimum a draw. Um, but. Deep down, I know that anything less than a win probably isn't good enough. But I guess based on form, we probably should expect a loss. I mean, you would hope, you would think Napoli is going to come ready to play after getting embarrassed today. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, hopefully we'll be back next week uh, at some point. I don't know what our recording schedule will be like with the, the Christmas holiday on Monday. But, man, I hope we're talking about a win over Napoli and then, you know, setting up for a showdown with Juve because uh, another loss, it might be hard to come on here. It might be a little depressing. Yeah, I want I want to have a happy Christmas, man. That's that's my goal. Yeah, so for all our listeners out there who celebrate, Merry Christmas. Um, and we'll be back before the new year after this Napoli match to to talk hopefully a Roma win. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you guys next week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.